Hello, film fans. Welcome to the Film vs. Film podcast. My name is Martin Harris, your host, and I'm joined by the film encyclopedia man, Boaz Dix. We are a couple of filmmakers on occasion, but mainly can't stop yapping about movies. On this podcast, every fortnight we pick a film topic. Myself and Boaz pick our favourite film from that topic, and we battle it out in three categories, directing, acting, and screenplay, and we score them out of ten to decide which film will become the greatest film of all time. According to two film geeks from Wiltshire, England. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to the Film vs. Film podcast. This week we're talking black cinema as Regina King's One Night in Miami comes out on Amazon Prime. We're going to have a look at black cinema. As ever, I'm joined by uh, Boaz Dix, the encyclopedia man. How are you, sir? I'm very fine. My pick this week is Jordan Peele's masterpiece, in my opinion, Get Out, uh, from 2017. Directing? Directing, screenplay, then acting, just in the way you've said it. Okay. I don't have much of an imagination. (laughs) Whatever you're you're (laughs) suggesting, I'll just go with. Any shots you liked or directorial sequences? Directing shots. Should I go just like by my my absolute favourite shot, and then we'll go from there? Yeah, kind of. It sounds a bit backwards, but... Uh, it was in a lot of the things online and promotional stuff. Um, and, you yeah. know, when you see it, it's visually quite stunning. So I'm glad they, they kind of, you know, publicized it a lot. But when he kind of uh, falls into the sunken place. Uh, oh, really? That is amazing. Yeah. I absolutely love that shot of him basically, like, falling down into his chair. And then, like, he's falling down an abyss. Mm. It's like and he's in like, space. No, yeah, no, it's no, like no. he's in space. It just looks incredible. And it's so like unexpected. There's no like Yeah. And you the don't window know that that can happen. Yeah. Yeah. The window just gets smaller and smaller as you yeah. come and he and he looks and Daniel Kaluuya is amazing in that because he just he looks so terrified. Yeah. Just like, oh my god, what the hell is <laughs> yeah, happening? Like, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some other really good shots. When he takes a photo of that guy and he just switches. You know, oh, yeah. That's more yeah. of a shot and uh, and acting. But uh, mm. that was that was pretty amazing and how like the music sort of builds to a sort of very scary like ah! yeah. You know, it kind of complements that scene where he's like telling him to get the hell out, get get out of here. That's one of the uh kind of one of the turning points in the film, I guess. But I think the directing from Jordan Peele is really interesting and really clever. I remember the opening scene where you see uh Licky Sanfield Right at the beginning, you know, he's just walking down the street and then you see a white car, like a white sports car in the background. Mm. And the camera like tracks round Stanfield as the car goes round him. So Stanfield is in the foreground and you have the car in the background and they kind of it tracks round him. When Stanfield notices that the car is following him, he like turns around. He's like, no, <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> yeah. This looks dodgy. So when he walks off, the camera doesn't change angle. So it cuts off the white car. Um, so you don't know what the white car is doing. And then when he, when the camera turns back around to see the car, the car stops and the, the doors open. Yeah. And then Stanfield turns, and then suddenly you have a guy with a medieval helmet on, and he take well, and then he hand over his face, yeah. and he's gone. It's just yeah. really clever directing, and that's all in one shot. Yeah, yeah, that know. was a really good one. And like, um, if if you go from, I suppose, a writing perspective, like the fact that it's a white car, it's very symbolic. He likes to put like symbolism yeah. into 
a lot of the the tiny things in this film. Oh yeah, a white car hunting him, a white you know white people hunting hunting mm-hmm. black people. A great bit of sy- symbolism, and I suppose you could even put this in directing because of how it's shot. The deer scene where they oh yeah they I'll come across a, <laughs> yeah they come across a, a, a what was it? It's a dying deer, a dead deer. You know his reaction to the deer and and the intercuts between him and the deer, like it's sort of mm. they're connected. You get that just yeah. from the way the camera is, and they do come back to that yeah. uh, quite often because obviously at the end he kills he kills the um, guy with Dean the Dean with the deer's antlers, yeah, <laughs> which yeah, is yeah, obviously quite ironic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think actually even adding the deer, um, so like the whole thing is basically it's foreshadowing the fact that he is getting hunted or you know they want him yeah but yeah so i just find that kind of interesting like uh he basically is the deer that's getting set up to Mm. you know dine with wolves basically uh but you know he's a he's a strong deer you know at the end yeah he he uses that symbolic deer (laughs) to kill someone ram dean right through the stomach (laughs) Yeah, yeah exactly yeah so anyway, there's there's quite a lot of cool things. Uh, I'm trying to think in particular with direction. Oh, I love well, the- even well, even before uh, the deer gets hit, like the actual jump scare when you see the deer. I was like, whoa! I yeah, completely forgot anyway, yeah. that jump scare comes. I was like, mm. shit! They're like deep in conversation, and it just comes out of nowhere. Mm. You know, it's really well done. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, there's just quite a lot of uh, like really good things. I, I do like the inter. It just seems really strange because you know something's not right almost immediately. There's something yeah. not right with the family. Uh, there's a bigger conspiracy going on. Uh, when we get to scripts, uh, you know, the twist I think is actually really good because it isn't exactly what you expect that they want. No, you know? definitely not. Um, in fact, like thematically, it's almost like the opposite of what your uh, what intention you think they have. Do you know what I mean? Which is really good. Uh, oh yeah. But I like how they're all kind of happy with him and go lucky and all that <laughs> smiling. And then there was that scene where basically they have the party with all the people in there, you know, oh, yeah. all the rich people asking him questions about how is it like to be black and all this. It's like Rose is like showcase, showcasing Chris around everyone. It's like, yeah. here he is, but we're not going to tell you why why I'm doing this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that was really good. He's a strong guy, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, there's a lot of things like that. Or how, um, uh, you know, with the music and the intensity of, like, the camera and stuff, you know, when he's wandering around at night and the yeah. granddad runs, it looks like he's running to him. Well, it's spoiler that it's the granddad, but, you know, the... Uh, the uh, oh, yeah, that, the, was, the that freaked me out there. Yeah. yeah, that freaked me out. That freaked me out as well. It's just inter- interesting uses of that. He's running, like, straight towards him. And just, like, the look on his face, you know, mm-hmm. as the camera goes through him, and you're like, holy shit, there's... he's running straight at him. <laughs> And then he just goes straight past him. Yeah. And it's like the music as well sort of builds any kind of point of tension like that. It's like suspense, 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 and it turns out it was nothing. You know, mm. nothing to worry well, that, about. Well, but then after, yeah. straight after that, he turns to the to the house, and then the light comes on. Well, he sees Gabrielle, I think, is which obviously is their grandmother. <laughs> yeah, uh, in the window, and and she's just got this weird stare on. Um, looking at him, yeah. Um, and then she just turns the light. A light comes on, and then she kind of snaps out of it immediately. Yeah, um, it's just at this point yeah. you think he should have just left. <laughs> well, this always happens in in horror films. It's like you know, take a take a hint, man. Get the hell. But I'm, well, I think he still feels safe at that point with Rose. Yeah, because Rose is definitely still on his side. Yeah, from the audience's point of view. 
Like she's so nice, and I think she keeps suggesting that they they can leave. And so he's like, no, no, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's reverse cool. psychology. It is reverse psychology. <laughs> yeah, the bitch is twisted. I one scene I quite like, and there's a really interesting shot where Bradley. Uh, Whitford, who plays Dean, um, is giving Chris a tour of the house. And there's a shot of, he shows them uh, the room where Missy does her therapy sessions. And they, Chris and Dean, both move out of the shot. And the camera just lingers on the chair, like slightly too much for a natural uh, edited film. Yeah. Um, And it just shows you like, you know, shit's going to go down in this room and in this chair specifically. Yeah. You know. I like, love this that. This is a very important chair. It's yeah. uh, it's like the Chekhov gun of furniture. <laughs> you know, it's going to be used. <laughs> yeah. But certainly watching it the second time, like that uh, house tour is just so brilliantly written. We'll get to that in screenplay. Yeah. There's lots of, literally every line is, it's got such double, yeah. triple meanings to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, he definitely likes his foreshadowing and like, uh, Mm. you know i do like that it makes it makes things much more rewatchable yeah. so you you feel a lot cleverer when you're like ah again the on the dinner table scene when Catherine keener leaves the room as the door opens as she leaves to get a dessert you see georgina like with a head down eyes straight straight to camera looking creepy as fuck <laughs> with with a cake holding a cake dead still and <laughs> yeah. you just see it for like a split second do you remember that I was yeah, like, yeah yeah fuck! <laughs> yeah she is really creepy. Um, do you remember oh. that bit where uh, I suppose this would go under acting, but I'll mention it as well. He was talking to like Georgina, and then uh, and how she, yeah. she just kind of looks at him like dead pan is like no, 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 no. Oh yeah, yeah. That was really freaky. <laughs> yeah. She's quite scary, actually. I would say she's probably like the scariest thing in the film. She needs to be in more films as a sort of antagonist. Yeah. She's a pretty strange, strange acting woman. <laughs> Strange yeah. acting woman. I think that's a compliment. I don't know. I yeah. don't know if that's a compliment. <laughs> woman, you um, look strange. <laughs> the sound effects are really kind of interesting in this as well. Like during the therapy session, that first therapy session where Chris goes under into the sunken place. Yeah. The sound of the teaspoon uh, scraping the cup is like quite loud throughout the hypnosis scene. Yeah. And right from the start of that, it's literally the, the volume of that is on the same, you know, volume as the dialogue. And it becomes like really irritating in like a good way yeah. um, for the story. It was just like, oh, God, I can't like get this tea teaspoon scraping out of my head <laughs> as well yeah. as Chris. Yeah. Because you're trying to concentrate on the dialogue, but you can't help but have, you know, the scraping teaspoon mm. in the background as well. Just yeah, adds yeah. to that the atmosphere and the creepiness of the film. Yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, it's quite a sort of creepy atmosphere. I think the the first thing that goes through your head is obviously, oh, they probably want to use him as a slave. I, I think that's even what uh, his friend says. Like, they're making sex slaves. You're going to make you a <laughs> sex slave. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Rod is fucking amazing. Uh, Rod is amazing. He's a great He's character. So funny. Yeah, TSA. Yeah. We get shit done, man. We get shit done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's amazing. He should have brought him with him. If he had brought him along, yeah, you know they would have. It would be weird. Him. You don't. Yeah, that's don't, not. Don't bring really your loud friend. <laughs> no, when you're trying to meet yeah. your girlfriend's family. Exactly. You I motherfuckers. Got the rod. Want to do the sex <laughs> he swears a lot. He does. Yeah. 
It's yeah. like, uh, can he leave, please? Like, <laughs> yeah, go, go. He's basically <laughs> he's basically the fat Samuel Jackson. Um, <laughs> of the film. Yeah, I guess amazing. So. Yeah. There's some really great gory bits as well. Because um, I get really pissed off when people call Get Out like, oh, it's a psychological thriller. I'm like, no, it's a horror film. <laughs> a guy cuts another guy's skull off. It's a horror film. <laughs> yeah. So I really like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, where he cuts it. Just to uh, remind you that it's a fucking horror <laughs> film, people. <laughs> yeah. I would say there is definitely horror and gore in it, particularly towards yeah. the end. But I wouldn't call it like... Uh, I don't know, like the 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 most disturbing horror film, or anywhere near that. No, no, but it's, it's you really would certainly describe it. I mean, Jordan Peele would say it is a horror film. Yeah, but I guess you would you would describe it as a psychological horror. Yeah, you know, with with actual horror towards the end. Yeah, but, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and one last thing for directing. <laughs> The juxtaposition of Chris beating Missy and Jeremy to a pulp at the end isn't necessarily the most scariest thing, but then you get straight after that, you have Rose eating cereal in separate glasses. So you have the cereal in one glass and milk in the other, and it's just what the fuck is and she's <laughs> calm as anything exactly and she's all it's dressed you, in white when you, see that scene, you truly know she is the face of evil yeah. What, what lunatic would eat cereal separately <laughs> yeah have milk and cereal in separate glasses i'm like woo <laughs> that's weird that shit's fucked up uh what was it i think i'd um i think there's like symbolism even in that thing of her basically having it's like two containers a black one and a white one you know milk being white <laughs> no i'm serious i'm serious yeah 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 and like combining them in a sort of synergy but not in the same mm, i think i get what you're saying <laughs> you know what i'm saying i'm trying yeah, to be yeah. clever i'm not sure if I'm <laughs> but no it, i guess it could be read in that way yeah um, i think so i think i think a lot of things in this film are symbolic i think that's oh, a yeah. good thing in a sense i think sometimes though it can be a bit i don't know it's a bit maybe too much you don't need to like spell it out too much you know what's going on but definitely i I think helps with like rewatchability i just adore films when the first experience is completely different to the second and the second experience is just as enjoyable just but in a completely different way for get out Um, i love different things my favorite shot is where the camera like slowly pulls back to reveal chris is the one up for auction (laughs) yeah it's just a really simple pulling out shot to reveal the picture that's the moment where you get the real like tonal shift, the story shift that, oh, Chris is in trouble. <laughs> yeah. For directing, I'll go first for this one. I think this is like really, really well directed. I think I would give it a 9.1 for me. Okay. That's pretty good. I probably won't go that high. Uh, maybe like yeah. 8.4, maybe. Still like super solid, but I, mm-hmm. I don't think I would hit a 9. Yeah. I think it was definitely very good. Yeah. It was it was really really good, uh, very enjoyable. And what was it? I I actually watched this after I watched. Um, oh, don't say yours yet. <laughs> huh? Don't say your film yet. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I I'm I'm talking about Jordan Peele films. Oh right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So we watched. Um, what was the one? Us. Us. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah we watched that second. So. I'm kind of, I guess, glad that I watched Us and then this because I I consider oh, it right. much much better. It's kind of disappointing. I still like us. I think. I, yeah, I know. Like I know you quite liked it. I think we have like 
vastly different opinions on it. Like, I think <laughs> if we did a review of us, then we would be very polarized. All right. Um, yeah. But anyway, anyway, carry on. Yeah, I, us is awesome. Um, right. <laughs> you are wrong. <laughs> Fight um, me. Come over there. Come over here. Come out of the screen. <laughs> anyway. Right, screenplay then. I think this is the strongest part of the film, the screenplay. I think it's just a, an absolute marvellous piece of work. Mm. And I am I was so, so pleased that Jordan Peele won the Oscar yeah. uh, for this film. Because obviously at the Oscars, horror films very, very, very rarely get any recognition yeah. um, from the Oscars. I think the only real horror film before Get Out that won an award... Uh, was Silence of the Lambs, and that was in '91. Yeah, so it's a f- far too far too long. When you go actually on the story, the great thing I like about it is the fact that it isn't exactly how you think it's going to be, and I think that's its main, you know, its main point. Because basically, Chrissy struggles with racial profiling and all this other stuff, like with that cop at the beginning. Oh yeah, and you kind of do see this going as, oh, you know, maybe his family is going to kill him. Or mm-hmm. maybe they're going to enslave him or whatever. And then yeah. the truth is like so completely left field and it's so like much different. It's not so yeah. much that they hate blacks. It's almost the opposite. It's like it's more there's a problem mm. with idolizing them too much or idolizing yeah, anyone yeah. too much that you kind of want to be them. So it's almost like... Because um, um, one one character says like, oh, black is in fashion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's more that it's like a, you know, a hot commodity, hot product rather than, you know. Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because... Oh yeah, Stephen Root, who plays Jim Hudson, the the blind guy. It's really interesting his character because I guess his character for me kind of represents like this unconscious racism that he gives Chris during the auction. He goes through all these characters, you know, as I said, like Rose showcasing um, Chris, and then he then he meets Jim Hudson, the blind guy, and he kind of relates to him a lot. Um, but then when he gets into the chair when he's captured and. Um, just before he's about to go under again, he he meets him on the TV screen, hmm. and Chris asks him why black people, and then Jim says, "I don't give a shit what color you are. I just want your eye, man. I want those things you see through, hmm. you know." And I just find that really interesting, and it kind of stuck me with me, with me a bit. I'm like, but you kind of do care the fact that you, that he is black because. I don't think you would be you would want his eye if if he was a white dude because a white dude would never be in that situation. <laughs> he's just he's you know he's I mean in this universe. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Well, I kind of see. I actually, you know you know what I mean. Yeah, I sort of see what you mean, but I kind of see the the character as sort of like a you know not really. I, I would take him make maybe at face value, like if there were uh, white people being har- harvested for their bodies. He probably would sign up, 
but nobody's doing that because you know well yeah that's the whole point the film is making is that you know white people in this film and to a certain extent which i guess we'll get onto with with your pick is that white people kind of idolize black people in, in a good way because they want to be them um for their qualities but do they actually want to be black no <laughs> you know yeah, no, that's an interesting point so i think there is some unconscious racism there that jim's character represents being very deep now already <laughs> <laughs> but they kind of use this device of racism in a very interesting way with the cop uh scene when the cop pulls them over because obviously the officer asks Chris for the ID, even though he wasn't driving. And Rose is the one that's really defending him. And it's like, no, this isn't right. Yeah. And it's just a really big misdirect yeah. from the filmmaker's point of view. Yeah, definitely. Um, from I, actually, even know. from a script point of view, it kind of makes the most sense that, uh, like, yeah, you, you see where she's coming from because you think she's on our side of like, yeah, no, yeah. the cop is clearly racist. It's so clever. But you'd see she wouldn't want anybody to know especially the police that he's anywhere mm. near this area yeah you know what i mean <laughs> it would fuck with their plan of like stealing his body yeah so, you know so it kind it's of like is another that. reason why she would make a big fuss you think oh she's yeah. making a big fuss because she's nice it's like no she's pure evil yeah and i also like her turn um when he's like like get the keys we're getting the hell out of here <laughs> your parents are nuts oh, yeah, and yeah. she seems to be like completely like trying to find the keys and like helping him out <laughs> and defending him against the family and it's like no no i'm in on this you're not going anywhere <laughs> oh yeah shit. it's a great reveal yeah. yeah that is a great reveal yeah because it's interesting that scene because you get because right before that chris finds all the pictures of all uh, rose's black ex-boyfriends mm. and at that point we know rose is dodgy but we don't know why exactly mm. um we just know that oh shit this something is not good here yeah at all but we don't 100% know why. But then when we when they both come down the stairs and then Chris is getting really agitated, Rose, where's those keys? Keys, Rose! You know, and then she's frantically trying to, to, to get the keys. And Jeremy, like, tries to hit him and he kind of backs off. But then Rose says, no, stop. What are you doing to Jeremy? And at that point, you're like, oh, hang on. Uh, you know, the audience is kind of like... Oh, maybe Rose is all right, but then literally a few beats later, it's like, "Sorry, babe, I know I can't give you the keys." And you're like, "Oh shit, Jordan Peele has Kaiser Soze this shit," <laughs> which cool. he said himself. Yeah. You know, uh, Jordan Peele was like, "Yeah, I'm Kaiser Soze seeing you yeah. this shit up." <laughs> he says that on the DVD extras. <laughs> or Kaiser, Kaiser Soze Sozerina. I don't know. Female <laughs> yeah. Kaiser Soze. So I I do like uh, the 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 character of Chris. I think he's actually quite smart. He's like a very intelligent oh, yeah, protagonist. Yeah. Definitely an active protagonist, which I kind mm. of prefer in films, especially oh, if yeah, I'm like yeah. watching sort of if you watch like a horror or a thriller. And I think some writers they never get it right where the character feels the main character feels very passive, just stuff happens mm. to them. And then they react or they're told what to do. Yeah, it's all reactionary. Yeah. Well, that was actually one of the reasons why Jordan Peele made this film. Because he hated watching films where, like, as you said, like a character just does dumb things and he's just screaming at the telly, just get out, get out, get yeah. out of the house, get out of the place. Yeah. And he's like, 
oh, let's make a film where yeah. it's impossible to get, get out, out yeah. as well. So the another film I actually watched where I, it was a horror film and I, I really liked the protagonist. And it's, again, this thing of sometimes you watch a protagonist and they're just so stupid. You're like, <laughs> literally be anybody. And they're not like seeing the very obvious signs. To me, it shows that it's kind of like, I suppose, lazily written, you know? It's kind of you don't want to put too much thought in it. You've put much too much thought in the horror chase like aspect of it and the and the monster and the scares, but not in people actually like having any sort of common sense. Mm. And so the good guy is basically just very, very lucky. So with <laughs> it's like a lot of the really clever things he does is not only um his own investigations on exactly what's going on. So you know he's curious yeah. and kind of working out and he does work it out. But even like how he kind of beats everybody. Like the fact that he start because uh, I think I saw this on a, a commentary um, with Jordan Peele where he was picking into his chair, yeah, to cover oh, right. his ears yeah, so he yeah. wouldn't be hypnotized and be sedated. And then also it goes to the symbolism of the film uh, about like racism and what have you. The fact that he's picking cotton to stay alive, you know. Oh yeah, I never, yeah. I never saw that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think yeah. that's really really clever. So it's stuff like that in the script. You're like. Yeah. Oh wow! He, he picks cotton to stay alive, uh, even amazing. though that's like associated <laughs> with the the loss of of black freedom for hundreds of years. Mm, uh, but it actually gives him his freedom, you know. Yeah, um, that's really, so he's really, really clever. He's quite a clever <laughs> character, you know. Yeah, and even like uh, how he uh, how he kill uh, beats that martial artist, Jeremy. Jeremy, yeah, I really like that because they even talked verbally about the martial arts that they knew, and he's very yeah. He's very like full on and quite mm. uh, insecure. Yeah, I reckon. Is it Aikido or something? Yeah, something like that. I remember. Like, he reckons he can beat him. And then I love their fight because it's like Jeremy is going to kill him. He's like choking him yeah. out. And he keeps reaching for the door and he keeps closing it. And I love it. He reaches for it because he knows he's going to get his leg out to close it again, then stabs yeah. him in the leg. You know? Yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah. So I do like um, that the, the hero is actually quite clever. And then also like uh, how he. Uh, gets the granddad. He he flashes his uh, was it his phone or his camera at him? His camera phone, yeah, his camera phone, yeah. And then because he already knows that flashing a camera like gets them out of that state, you know. Yeah, gets- so I wouldn't be surprised in the story, like because obviously Walter and uh, Georgina have been un- in these black bodies for like so long. Because obviously, when that happens, he stays in character. You know, well. You know, he pre- still pretends to be Walter, you know, right at the end. Yeah. Before she shoots Rose. So I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, kind of needed to be done to serve the story, but it certainly was believable in yeah. that moment. Yeah. Did you see the bit where, uh, like, he's cho- uh, well, obviously you saw it, you know, because we're talking about it. Uh, <laughs> can't believe I said something so stupid. Yeah. Did you see this film? Oh, that we're reviewing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've already said so much about but you know the bit at the end where it was like he's choking her out, and then the cop car comes, and he's like, "Oh, oh yeah, this does not look good at all." Because <laughs> yeah. mm. be they funny. shot an alternative ending. Did you know this? No, I didn't. Where Chris, they actually were cops, and they arrested Chris. Oh, and um, you can see it on YouTube. Yeah, I'll and, definitely look that up. Yeah, and uh, Chris is talking to Rob, you know, behind glass, and he's in an orange jumpsuit. I guess for that scene. They were going for like the whole reality of the situation, but I think they didn't want to go for such a downer ending, like yeah. a lot, of, which is fairly common, I guess. Yeah, 
But I want to go through like the tour, <laughs> the house tour with all the lines yeah. that Dean goes through because it's just so great. Uh, Dean is talking about how like Jeremy wants to be like his dad, and yet we know that uh, as in his grandfather. And then there's like a throwaway line where he says, "You'll meet him," <laughs> you know, which is great. And then yeah. and obviously his his grandfather is in Walter, <laughs> <laughs> and then then he says. It's such a privilege to experience someone else's culture. Do you know what I'm saying? And then you have the story of Dean's grandfather losing to Jesse Owens at the Olympics. And then he says, oh, he almost got over it. After that, he has like a real, uh, a subtle wry smile on his face because obviously Jesse Owens was the only black guy that won uh, a race at the Olympics in 1933. Yeah. Um, the one that like Hitler was at. Yeah. Um, and then as they walk past the basement, he says, oh, that's the basement. We keep it sealed up because there's lots of black mold down there. <laughs> you know? It's really like real cool. like, racism because obviously down there is where they do the surgery, yeah. where they put the brains out. Yeah, where they um, put the white brains into black molds. Into, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's just like, fuck it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that really is a quite clever. It's a really yeah. clever line. I mean, it's just the fact that they have the audacity to write these lines. And then when he gets to the uh, the kitchen, he says, oh, and Georgina is like um, on the other side of the kitchen. And Dean says, oh, my mother loved her kitchen so much. We keep a piece of her mm. in here. And we see a wide shot of Georgina, who is obviously, in fact, Dean's yeah. mother. <laughs> oh, I remember there's, do you remember that great little moment where like during the auction scene, because he's trying to charge his phone and Georgina keeps um, taking the cable out of his phone. Mm. So he goes upstairs and like everyone just pauses and just hears what's what he's doing up there. <laughs> yeah, I think so. like everyone freezes. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, yeah, it's quite <laughs> strange. Well, you know, then that their focus is on him. They're just pretending to have conversations so he doesn't get suspicious. One of my favorite characters we've mentioned him a little bit is Rod. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> he has some really. <laughs> yeah, in Rod we trust. <laughs> <laughs> great lines, you know, the obvious one, sexually. <laughs> They're sex leads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he says, you know, I know that TA shit tingles. This motherfucker's flying. <laughs> it's like he's in the room um, with us what, right I... now. That's a tremendous <laughs> impression. <laughs> I think my favorite line is like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> you know, after they have that conversation, Rod talks to. Um, oh Rose, yeah, you know, yeah. She's always then, like Rose, like freaks <laughs> yeah, him she's out. She's always putting it back on him. It's like I know you want me. You're yeah. just being creepy and stuff. And he's like, what the hell? <laughs> oh shit! She's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, She's made me look like the villain. Yeah. How'd she do that? Yeah. His great line to like close the film is so brilliant. Just a, mo- a great moment of levity after such tension mm. at the end when Chris gets into his car and he says, "I'm T.S. Motherfucking A." We handle shit. <laughs> it's what we do. Uh, Consider this situation fucking handled. <laughs> and then they drive off and nice. end film. <laughs> he handled that baggage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so my my favorite line is definitely, oh, shit. She's a genius. <laughs> <laughs> he says she's a genius yeah, so yeah, quick. Yeah, yeah no, that's good. Maybe actually, you know, the guy saying like, you know, I want your eye, man, and all that stuff. Well, that was pretty cool. Or would you score it? I'd probably score it actually a lot higher, you know, because of cause screenplay, because the ideas mm. are so good and the dialogue is really, really interesting and stuff. So maybe like a nine. 
I think this script is extraordinary. As I said, I I was so pleased when Jordan Peele won the mm. Oscar for this, and it's so subtle. There's literally double meanings in nearly every line, especially from Dean's mm. character. It's just a brilliant yeah. piece of work. Um, I'm going to go 9.6, uh, cool. I think. Moving on to acting then. I think there's some unbelievable performance in, performances yeah. in this. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, acting's pretty solid, especially from yeah. Chris. I think he's... he's Daniel yeah, Kaluuya. He's really good. Yeah. He uh, he can basically portray all the emotions. He does from, you know, happy, content, oh, yeah. a bit nervous <laughs> to angry, you know, sad, scared. Uh, he's very, very mm. believable. There's a there's a point where I notice on the on a rewatch where you kind of know they kind of tell you that Rose is a fucking nutter from mm. the start. Yeah, <laughs> is when like Rose is carrying like food and a drink and like she knocks on uh, Chris's door, but she uses her head. <laughs> like what normal person does that? <laughs> Normally, you just put at least either the the cup down on the floor or the food on the floor and just use. You your don't use your head. You don't use your head. You're a weirdo. No. <laughs> I always had but the door. You know, that's what the head is for, man. So I just thought, you know, that was just like, huh? <laughs> Who does that, man? <laughs> yep, he's weird. I'm turning this shit off. <laughs> God didn't want us yeah. to knock knock our head on doors. He would have given us three arms. You know, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you think of the acting of Betty Gabriel, who plays Georgina, and Marcus Henderson, who yeah, plays Walter? Yeah, like really, really unnerving, especially her. I think especially <laughs> her. She is just well. There's something wrong with Walter. You're like there is something wrong with you, man. You act like you're from like the 1850s or something. Like you're a <laughs> like you're a posh. I don't know, like a posh white landowner or something. He just acts really, really different. But Georgina is just creepy as hell. I think mm. even if you said this film had nothing to do with like switch, so that grandma must have been a freaking lunatic like when she was alive, yeah. Because her performance is super creepy. Yeah. It's like I feel like maybe um, too creepy. <laughs> the actual black person and you know their mother are, kind, are always kind of constantly fighting each other mentally, like yeah, 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 to get those weird performances, yeah. you know, because that certainly something of the black woman in the performance of yeah. the mother you know because so they say you know there's they leave yeah. a part of the brain yeah. still there so they can use the motor functions but i guess like the hypnosis can only go yeah. so far well you think even like they're smiling and and especially georgina she can smile and look like she's about to cry at the same time and it's really unnerving it's like what the hell yeah, there's moments like that where she's you think she's going to snap yeah. out of it, you know. Yeah, no props on that actress. I don't think she gets as much recognition. Like she was truly, truly very, very, yeah, very, very, gay very great, very creepy. There's a great moment from Catherine Keener. Yeah. Oh, have you noticed she? she she's the same uh, actress who was in uh, Being John Malkovich. Have you Have you ever yeah, watched Being yeah. John Malkovich? Uh, really <laughs> need you need to, to watch <laughs> being john malkovich it's it's the most insane film that has ever existed it's so weird yeah. and uh what's strange is that film is to do with basically taking over somebody's brain yeah oh really and she's in it <laughs> and uh, i think a lot of people said wouldn't it be amazing if she is the same character she's just gone from you know getting people to to possess John Malkovich <laughs> to actually possessing black people. 
like she's just the same same character. Yeah. That would be amazing. That'd be some awesome world building there. Yeah, yeah. M Night Shyamalan levels of of you know. There's there's a great moment where like Chris like when he's trying to escape in the car in the white car like she not he knocks over Georgina and he can't help himself and he goes to pick to kind of save her pick her up and puts puts her in the car and there's a great moment where Georgina literally slowly turns her head to attack Chris in the car and you see the scar across her forehead it's just like mm. whoa that's scary yeah. as fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah no that was cool and there's a great bit by uh, Rose as well Alison Williams, a mm. uh, bit of a newcomer, I think. When like Chris is trying to strangle Rose, but then she starts smiling, and it's as if she's saying, "I dare you, go <laughs> yeah. on, kill me." <laughs> yeah. Strike and me then the down, and I comes. shall come back more powerful than you can possibly imagine. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, do you no, know I what know. I mean? You know, yeah, very just, evil. Yeah. When you think it's the cop car coming, she changes and just like, yeah, oh, yeah. "Help, help yeah, yeah. me," because she knows she'll certainly get yeah. help and. And they'll try and take out Chris, but it ends up being yeah. Rod. And yeah. Like, yeah. Thank Rod. <laughs> Thank Rod. All praise be to Rod. <laughs> so what's your favorite performance? Uh, my favorite performance is literally anything with, I suppose, Chris. Yeah. The main character. Yeah. Daniel I think Kilo, he's, yeah. he's truly phenomenal. Yeah. yeah so lying. he would be my up there. Just like almost everything he does, especially like the first time go- getting hypnotized where he, he looks like he is fastened oh, yeah. to the chair. And like tears running down his face, and you're like, "Whoa, this is pretty intense." Um, and it really, yeah. Me. I wonder how many takes they did. What I do wonder how many takes yeah. they did for that. Like, if he did just did it, yeah. like that. Well, what know? was it? Um, I was watching this one <laughs> acting thing uh, where you know this actor is like really red eyed and what have you. And uh, I heard a uh, not for this film, but another one. And the behind the scenes was they rubbed some stuff in his eye. So, like, it just really irritated really? the eyes. So, basically, <laughs> any sort of direct light, just like, just it goes red and they start, the tears start streaming. So, I don't know if they maybe did that or he just did it 100% acting. Or just did a COVID <laughs> test. Have you, have I haven't a COVID had a COVID test, test yet. yet. My mum has had plenty. They are <laughs> horrible. <laughs> I think, yeah, my... Literally, when you stick those things up your nose, like, I just... Oh, my God. It's just like... It's an emotional experience. (laughs) Oh, and also Georgina. So I would say they are my two two top characters, Um, Chris and Georgina. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Like, super creepy. Yeah, Daniel Kalilia is my favorite performance as well. So what's your score for acting? Um, Okay. So acting, I might give it... So I don't know, man. Uh, Maybe... uh, 9.2 9.2 you know i do think the acting is is uh, basically what makes the film you know so yeah oh yeah yeah definitely yeah there are some incredible parts i'll go 9.1 yeah. i think right let's go to the score for get out see what that is come on get out the score 55 what so did it take out, you 55 years 50. to come to fucking work out the answer. <laughs> good god man alive 55 <laughs> So, Boaz, what is your pick and why did so you So my pick, pick is Do the Right Thing by um, Spike Lee. I'll be 100% honest with you. When uh, you said, like, let's pick a you know film by black directors, my mind went completely bla- blank. I was going to say it went completely black, but it oh, didn't really? go black. It went, <laughs> you know, it went blank. So I thought, uh, what's a black director I know the name of, basically? And I was just like, oh, Spike Lee. And then... Uh, I was wondering, okay, what are the films he's he's made? And so I was like, uh, Klansman, I still haven't watched that. 
And then I thought, you know, he made Do the Right Thing. I've heard Do the Right Thing is good. So I picked Do the Right yeah. Thing. And um, <laughs> and I watched it, and I can tell you, I did the right thing in picking that film. It's, uh, yes, yes, it's you did pretty, indeed. It's really good, actually. <laughs> it's very interesting. I would, uh, I would say it's actually, yeah. uh, I think, to be honest, you could write like several essays on it. It's quite deep, a lot going on. Oh, yeah. Should we go straight into yeah, screenplay? Yeah, maybe we should just get straight and, into screenplay. And go with the big yeah. question. Did Mookie do the right yeah. thing in throwing the dustbin into Sal's window? <laughs> yeah. I don't, yeah. <laughs> you know, after yeah. Raheem gets killed yeah. by the cops. So I don't think he did the right thing. No? So I'm not exactly sure what the right thing and do the right thing actually refers to. So yeah, exactly. Those things. So yeah. one of the things, I suppose, in my personal opinion, is the fact that Sal, I suppose, did the right thing in actually paying him when he kept promising he would, but never did. And even though he did. Yeah you know all this nonsense happened he did you know he did pay him and i would say like maybe it's a do the right thing in the fact that yeah he did smash the window which started a riot which mm. did i suppose it destroyed his business but saved his life they were going to kill him oh but yeah, yeah i'm not sure if that was like his intention if he was that forward thinking i think he threw that bin in the window because he was pissed yeah i think i agree with you there i think he Part of why Spike Lee chose for Mookie to to do that is kind of this grief and anguish and, and yeah. hate. Um, the fact that his friend um, was it Boombox Raheem, yeah. like gets killed by Radio Raheem. Radio Raheem. Yeah. But I think for me, what I read in it as well is that he's kind of like destroying Sal's pride. Yeah. You know, this whole situation came about is because uh, Giancarlo Esposito's character, Bugging Out, wanted a picture of Black Legends on yeah. his wall. But he was like, no, only Italian-Americans yeah. are going up there. And it kind of all escalated yeah. from there with other things yeah. as well. But if he just let, you know, yeah. <laughs> a Black Legend, just one <laughs> picture go on the wall. Because they show that when Smiley goes into the um sal's pizzeria is basically destroyed he walks in there with a picture of malcolm x yeah. and martin luther king yeah. jr and just pinned yeah. it on the wall I thought that was quite you know and it's just like all this just because yeah, of the yeah. picture on the wall i'm okay for you know i suppose films like talking with difficult topics like this and uh even if they kind of sort of paint it one way um you know you've got your obvious heroes and your obvious villains and you know with a film about like race and stuff and racism you'd think it would be kind of i suppose very cut and dry you know here are the racists here are the non-racists don't be a non-racist but i think the film is actually quite morally sort of complex really oh yeah there's no yeah. like it's all questions there's no right answers it's more so like you know just prejudice is 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 really wrong but a lot of the characters are prejudiced they're very human like and I, I would even oh, say yeah, Moki yeah. is not like some sort of divine, you know, enlightened man. He's just a regular guy, like all of them. And um, I think where that kind of really sells oh, yeah. it is like in the middle. It just kind of stops its narrative for a bit and just has most of the characters being quite racist. You know, it's like they're in a monologue outside. Mm. But even Mookie, he's like, he basically, his inner monologue is like, he doesn't like Italians anymore. He goes off on Italians. Sal's son goes off mm. on black people. Yeah. The cop goes off on Puerto Ricans. The Puerto Rican goes off on Koreans. The Korean goes off on black people. So yeah. you could see, like, and there are just interactions. Like, most of the film has got nothing to do with, like, a central plot. It's almost like a week in the life of 
you know, this neighborhood. Yeah, yeah it's just film. a hanging out film. But a lot of their interactions in these segments where they're hanging out, it's always to do with some kind of prejudice. And a lot of it is like oh, yeah. really le- is a lot less, you know, is, is quite subtle. Like mm. even stuff of, you know, the guy getting quite pissy that they're not putting a black guy on Sal's wall. And he's like, you're literally in a black neighborhood. Why aren't you representing black people? But in the same time, you can see he, he has an altercation where a white guy steps on his shoe and he goes absolutely ballistic at this yeah. guy, not even just for stepping on his shoe, but for being white. So you think, hang on a minute. You do have a point, but now you seem completely unreasonable. And almost every character does that. They complain mm. about uh, racism or ageism or sexism or whatever, but then they'll be quite prejudiced. You know what I mean? Like even those three three black yeah. guys, they talk about you know how how racist like the cops are or whatever because uh, they they don't do anything all day. Yet mm. when uh, one of them starts just going off on one, just out of nowhere about the Koreans, mm. you know, so. Yeah, so. yeah, it's interesting when they you know destroy uh, Sal's pizzeria because they go they then they start going off to yeah. the Korean yeah. shop, but then he kind of says no, I'm black, I'm black, yeah. I'm black, and like waving his like um, broom or whatever, and then they kind of like oh accept it, yeah, yeah. he's one of us, yeah. he's black. Well, I, th- I think it was, it's more of a case of like I think his friends have to rein him in. It's like like listen. But I do think it's it's quite a complicated film. Like I don't think any character is is like one dimensionally bad or whatever. They're all kind of well, they're all people and they're all like uh, a bit paradoxical. Yeah. What I was trying to say is the fact that I think only two characters go into the Korean yeah. shop. The mayor goes in there and they don't have his beer that he likes yeah. anymore. So he's kind of pissed yeah. off about that. And then uh, Radio Raheem goes in there to get more batteries, but they can't get him they can't communicate properly to get him yeah. the right batteries. But they're the only two characters that go into the Korean shop, whereas literally pretty much every single character and a, and a lot of background extras go into Sal's yeah. pizzeria, you know, and yet that's the shop that yeah. they're destroying, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, there was going to be a match somewhere. Things going ahead. Like one, it's like uh, they make a big deal about it being a really, really hot week. You know, it's so hot. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And everybody needs to chill. And, you know, that might be sort of, I, I don't know, like, you know, the catalyst for, for just getting a bit, I don't know. It's quite interesting, I think, the, yeah, the screenplay. Because mm. I'm just saying, I think it's more about, like, just not only, you know, it's very easy to say racism is wrong, don't be racist. But a lot of the characters even believe that. Oh, yeah, don't be ra- I mean, even Sal doesn't, you know, want to be racist. He even chastises his son racist no, yeah. they have huge conversations where he's like listen i like black people i got black people here i fed these people you know fed their generations and what have you like towards the end he gets so angry that he starts spouting the n-word n-word music n-word this you know so it can be like it's not good enough to just say like don't be whatever you've got to sort of check yourself because it's very easy to slip into some mm-hmm. other kind of prejudice or be prejudiced in another way you know like the black guy wanting to burn down the um the Korean place, uh, or even like Rakim, yeah. he's like seen as such a saint and like a martyr figure when he dies. But even mm-hmm. you were saying, like when he goes to the Korean shop, he straight up just looks like he doesn't like Koreans, you know. So it's yeah. almost every character has got some beef with some entire group of people. You know? The relationship is really interesting between Sal and Pino because there's a scene where like Pino is really fed up of living in Harlem and he he admits to Sal that he he just hates black people. He's just had mm. enough of it. And Pino asks, um, can he leave the neighborhood? You know, let's sell this place and move her own yeah. town. Be with other know, Italians. We're, we're yeah. respected. 
But Sal's like, no, there's there's too many peri- uh, pizzerias there. And he says he's like he's really proud of watching these kids like grow up on his food. And uh, Sal asks Pino, why is there so much hate in you? You know, as if to say, like all this hate is just so tiring. It's just I hate watching you yeah. like this. You know, can't you just respect their culture a bit yeah. more? Which is interesting and ironic and hypocritical in a sense from Sal's character, the fact that he won't allow any yeah. black people up on yeah. his wall. Well, I think this you is know, kind of like um, the crux of the film is a lot of characters preach, you know, a lot of characters preach. They'll, they'll talk to another one who's being quite yeah. prejudiced and say, why are you being like this? You know, Sal is with his son and many other characters have these kind of things. But in the end of the day, almost everybody, you know, is quite hypocritical. I think it's, it's more of a film... I, I suppose about human nature and, you know, just trying to check that, that kind of hypocrisy and also learning to live with other people that are kind of different with you from you. Mm. Um, and there's quite a, a mixed bag in this neighborhood, you know, there's white, black, Hispanic, Asians, you know, oh, uh, yeah, even yeah. like the guys start up, you know, when you, you're following that young, uh, not young, that old drunk guy, uh, who's basically the uncle of the, yeah, mayor. the mayor. And like that woman dislikes him, just dislikes him because he's a drunk and he eventually woos her over. And those kids as well, they hate him because he's old and, you know, drunk, you know? So yeah. it's, <laughs> it's almost like you see prejudice in like every sort of facet, you know, against like every kind of kind of person, you know? So I thought that's quite unique yeah. for a, uh, a film uh, that's dealing not only with black issues, but it's literally trying to nail on the head like you know many different issues of like prejudice and stuff one scene i quite enjoyed and found really fascinating i can't remember if we've touched on this already but when spike lee's character mookie asks um pino when they're in the pizzeria about who's your favorite actor he says eddie mm-hmm. murphy favorite sports person i can't remember who it was but it was yeah, a yeah. black person and who's your favorite rock star prince i bet you're a prince <laughs> man He's like, no, Bruce. He won't admit it that yeah. it's Prince. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and like all his favorite black, people yeah. are... He goes, you're always saying N-word yeah. this, N-word that, but all your favorite people are N-words. But then Spike asks, deep down inside, do you wish you were black? <laughs> and then Pino laughs. Yeah. And I just find that such a profound and interesting question and line mm. in the film, you know, because let's face it, Black culture is yeah. awesome. <laughs> You're welcome. You know, there's a lot You're of great, welcome. like even today. I mean, this film is like, how old is it? 32 yeah. years old. And there's so many great black rappers out there now and great black sports people. Any other points about the screenplay? I think it's like a character study of all kinds of people. It's a character study of, of you know, of all the characters in that, in that neighborhood. <laughs> it's yeah. one of those things when you talk about its plot, its plot doesn't really co- coalesce into a sort of, narrative until really the end i would say the end is kind of like oh yeah oh oh man it's a narrative now you know there's a and so when you're explaining it it's an issue about a pizzeria like that's not really what it is it's It's all about like the boiling tension between all these Uh, i would actually say yeah that's that's a great um uh a metaphor because uh well not a metaphor i mean you're being literal but it is about boiling tension but yeah, yeah. I would say there's a sort of poetic metaphor in the environment that things are getting hotter and hotter and hotter in uh, Harlem, and then it boils over. You know, it does seem like everybody's very frustrated yeah. with each other, and it boils over into mm. into this. Just going back to the the last scene when Mookie uh, chucks the trash can into the window, I recently looked on YouTube and Spike Lee 
fairly recently said the only people that asked me that question oh did Mookie do the right thing about throwing the can into the window only only white people were asking him that question like there was never been a, a black person that asked him that, all right ever i'll phone him up and i'll <laughs> ask him it <laughs> no i just find that really yeah. interesting that i guess for black people maybe it's slightly easier no, i don't I know. know well as um, black people I, to, yeah to get i don't it. know as a black person i probably wouldn't generalize but um yeah i don't know well i suppose because he was black you know and people tend to identify with their uh with people that are like them i mean that's a sad yeah sad fact which is i just true. found that interesting thinking about did he do the right thing yeah sal went a bit over the top people were going so i don't know man it's it's kind of complicated i <laughs> but here's the thing i think the yeah. film is deliberately uh morally complicating you know because that's kind of what life is oh, yeah. i think uh the film is almost a reflection of like the actual truth rather than some idealized version of it yeah so if you say like did mookie did do the right thing i mean like depends on your perspective depends on on exactly why he did it or you know uh, would it have been better if he didn't i don't know it's quite it's quite a you know quite a difficult thing to think about. but this screenplay is funny oh, as yeah. hell as well yeah. to be fair there's a great line by Robin Harris um, where he says, because he's part of the three dudes on on the corner um, up against that red wall. There's one part where he says, never too hot, never too cold for fucking Sweet Dick <laughs> yeah. Willie. I was, I was oh, actually, yeah. His, his character name yeah, is yeah, Sweet yeah, Dick yeah. Willie. Because <laughs> they were saying, did your mother call you that? Like, what the hell? Why do they call you Sweet Dick Willie? You know? Yeah. Um no, I was actually gonna say that's actually my favorite my favorite line in the film. So it's kind of unique oh, really? that you also picked up on that. That's one of the few lines I actually remembered. Like fully honest. Really? What never too hot, never, never too cold never for too fucking hot, never too cold for <laughs> It's words to live by, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. Yeah. Doesn't matter if you're an Eskimo or you live in the desert. <laughs> Any day is a good day. Yeah, I'm hard right now, man. Just talking about films. <laughs> All right, steady on, mate. I love film that much. So my favorite line is deep down inside. Did you wish you were yeah, black? I cool. just found that quite. Yeah. It's really. I like um, uh, Samuel Jackson when they're all giving it the sort of racial oh, stuff, and he's like, "You need to calm that shit down." <laughs> that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think when Samuel Jackson speaks, everybody listens. You know, that's just the thing in a movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think the screenplay is really good because it seems very real. And I think you're right. It's it's not yeah. so... It's quite funny. It's also really, really funny. There's a lot of funny stuff that goes on. Mm-hmm. It's quite heartfelt at bits, you know, like when he goes to his girlfriend's house and he, you know, he's hanging out with his son and, and all that stuff. And, he, you know, how he talks to his sister, just all this stuff. There's a lot of heartfelt stuff. And I just think it's kind of really well done. It's funny. It's some really good serious and sad bits. You know, it's very real, the dialogue, you know. Yeah, so I don't know, man. I would give it quite a high score because uh, it's just quite interesting. Yeah. It's quite interesting to watch, really. Um, so, yeah, maybe like 9.5. That is pretty high. damn high. Yeah, I'm higher than Mookie on a Friday night. I think I would go... I'm going to go say yeah? <laughs> 9.5 because it's such a clever film in just such a different way to get yeah. out. Because it asks a lot of really difficult questions, and it's really difficult to yeah. answer that fundamental question: Did Mookie yeah, do yeah, the right thing? Definitely. You know, and and people are still debating it yeah, to this day. Yeah. Um, so it's quite exactly, extraordinary. Yeah. So let's do acting. I reckon I love Samuel Jackson in this film. He's so yeah. great <laughs> um, as the radio DJ. Yeah, I like him. Just giving it a narration on all the uh, the main characters that will eventually be uh quite serious players in this game 
It's being like, hey, it's Radio Rakim. Keep that beat going. Because there's a bit where like there's loads of characters like trading off insults like directly mm. to camera, and then you get Sam Jackson saying, "Yo, hold up, time out, time out, y'all take chill. You need to. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> you need to chill that shit yeah. out. That's the double That's truth, Ruth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you need to chill that shit out. That's the double truth, Roof. Motherfucker. Yeah. Only Sam Drax can do it convincingly. <laughs> he should have added an M, you know, an MF somewhere in there. Yeah, quite light, <laughs> yeah. light on the motherfuckery from Samuel Jackson in this film, but you know, still good, still yeah. good. Rosie Perez as Tina is great, especially the dancing scene at the beginning. She fucking yeah. goes for it, man. <laughs> Apparently, like they. They did that for like two straight really? days. And I think Spike Lee was like, I think um, Rosie wanted to kill him <laughs> or something. <laughs> he was going at it so yeah. much. Oh, what, at you the know. beginning? Are I you think saying at the beginning? True. Yeah, that right was nuts. Yeah, right Good at the beginning. God, yeah. that was nuts. I think she got like tennis elbow as well after that because she did so much punching. Yeah. <laughs> in a... She has like um, boxing gloves yeah. on at, at one point. Yeah, that was amazing. Jesus, that was sexy. It's <laughs> an entirely different experience actually to the rest of the film. There's a great scene by um, Bill Nunn, um, who plays Radio Rahim. He riffs on the classic film uh, Night yes, of the Hunter. I knew that. I watched that um, for film studies. I love that reference. Yeah. yeah. Did you? Yeah. With the whole love yeah. and hate thing. And obviously Robert Mitchum does that in that film, The, uh, the Night of the Hunter, directed by Charles Lawton. The only film he directed, because he was mainly yeah. an actor. But what's interesting is the fact that Robert Mitchum is the villain yeah. in that film. You know, Robert Mitchum gets consumed by hate in that film because he kind of tries to m- kill yeah, these yeah. kids. Um, but with this, I guess, yeah, it's interesting. What do you think about that reference? I never really thought about I thought it was just kind of a fun nod to that film. But I never tried yeah. to sort of, I didn't sort of think if it had like some sort of wider tie-in with the themes of, of mm. both films. Because obviously both characters get killed yeah. at the end. But um, like... Yeah, I Maybe. suppose it's. I don't know. I don't know if they're kind of that linked. The thematic thing for like the speech he's making about how you shouldn't hate, but you should love. Like, uh, I think that's definitely pertinent for yeah. the movie. That you know, every, you know, everybody should just chill mm. that, chill that shit out, and love each other. Yeah. But as to like the plots of each movie, I'm not sure. They are quite different. I, it might be coincidence. I think it might just be a fun little reference. But you know, Rakim isn't really like a villain at all, and. And I suppose, yeah, he gets martyred. Uh, You know, I wouldn't say there's like a direct true villain in the film. It's just like being intolerant is the villain. Yeah, I really like uh, John Chiruro, who plays uh, Pino, and Richard Edson, who plays Mm. Vito. Um, There's a scene uh, where Pino brings Vito into like the storeroom, and Pino is kind of like roughing up Vito, trying to beat him up a little bit, trying to warn him about Mookie, that he shouldn't trust Mm. him. Um, and they're just like really intense in that scene. I thought it was just really yeah, great yeah. acting. Um, it's literally right before like all the craziness yeah. happens. Well, and it's also like because uh, yeah, because he, he's also shoving back as well because he's been quite passive through most of the film. And Mookie's basically been saying to him, "Listen, if my brother ever talked to me like that, well, he doesn't have a brother, but he said, you know, if anybody talked to me like that, I'd bloody smack mm. him." But yeah, no, that was quite quite intense. Yeah. I think the only thing I would say negatively about the acting is that I'm not sure Spike Lee is amazing mm. compared to everyone else. Because obviously, 
I guess for budgetary constraints, he kind of had to act in it, yeah. maybe because obviously he wasn't gonna, he was never gonna get a, a massive budget for this type of film. Because I think this is only his second film. He's not amazing, but I, you can look the other yeah. way, I guess, with that. So, who's your favorite performance? Who's my favorite performance? Bugging out, okay, yeah, bugging out. I like, I like his. Uh, well, the acting for that character. He's pretty out there, pretty passionate. I quite, I quite like his yeah. performance, actually. I think he's, I might, yeah. I might. You know, that sounds a bit left field, but I think he's actually probably my favorite performance in that. I think my favorite is Danny Elio, who plays um, Sal. He can be quite sweet and a sort of grandfather sort of figure, and quite like yeah. tough love. But then also when he gets pissed, he seems like you know. He, yeah, he's he is, great as well. He's a force to be reckoned with, with his old baseball bat and like shout. <laughs> Shouting threats <laughs> out, he's gonna bust bust some motherfucker's head and stuff. So, what score would you give yeah. acting? It's just some of the main characters I quite like, and then you have all of the. There's just like there's quite a lot of characters to be honest with you, and I don't think most of them sort of hit that hit that sort of level. You know, they're okay, and then you've just got a few standout performances. I think you're right. I think Spike mm-hmm. Lee, though the main character is is a bit stiff, it's a bit wooden, so. Your get out score was nine point yeah. one. So I don't know. Maybe I would give this just for like the really good performances, maybe like eight point four. I agree with you really. Um I'm gonna go with probably eight point two. Right. Moving on to direct yeah. any directional moments that you liked? I'm I'm a I'm a sucker for like scene transitions or camera pans, which I really like. And so yeah. a few ones that uh that could have stood out to me in my memory. Uh, one where it's um doing like a pan of like the roofs and stuff, yeah, and it pans it pans oh, down yeah. and on the fire escape there's a bunch of a bunch oh, of guys yeah. hanging out. Like, is it Martin Lawrence? I forgot Martin Lawrence is in this film. Martin Lawrence, some of his buddies. Yeah. Like, Jesus, <laughs> it's hot. But I quite like that of just rooftops and boom, some characters right there. My other yeah. favorite shot comes like right towards the end. I, I do also like when the place burns down and uh, as you said. The other guy sticks Malcolm's picture on the wall. That was really good. It's generally quite a good shot, shot and uh, stand, stays on him for a couple of seconds as he smiles. I mean, that was really good. Uh, what were some other ones that I quite liked? So towards the end where it goes from the old man has finally got the respect to that older lady he's always been hitting for. And it's like oh, in, yeah. <laughs> in, her, uh, in her house. And then they talk about, you know, what had happened and like, you know, we've survived and, and all this stuff. And the camera comes from them basically is almost like they're theater actors talking to the audience or something. And the camera comes out of the window mm. and it makes a turn and there's Mookie like going to get his money. I quite uh, like yeah. that. I thought, wow, that was, that was a pretty damn good shot. And there's a really interesting scene all done in slow-mo close-ups of the three black guys uh, sat in sat in front of the red wall and you have the white cop like driving past mm. and it's all done in slow-mo just really like deep, deeply staring at each other. And it, it was kind of like a great change in the tone of the film that, you know, the boiling tension between the white characters and the black characters yeah. have just gone up yeah. a notch. Cause I think that came after one of the Itali- Italian Americans gets soaked by the yeah, fire yeah, engine, which to be fair was, really, was really funny. Good. And just like, of course yeah. you're going to get wet. You should have yeah. just turned around. He was like, <laughs> I better not get any damn water in this damn car. And he was like, he's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. He's he like, pretty stupid. Turn it off. We'll turn it. You can carry on. And as he's going through, they just soak him. Comes out. He's absolutely pissed. He's like, who did it? I don't know. Do you know their name? I don't know. Joe Black. 
I really like the shot of mother sister sitting in the window, like fanning herself. And it's kind of like the light is just really beautiful around her face, semi black uh, backlit. And the camera like moves forward through the window, goes right past her. And Sam Jackson, is just naming all these iconic black legends. Mm. I thought that was just a really nice shot from Spike. Cause I guess he would have had a lot of limitations. Cause I don't think this budget was big Mm. at all. So Oh, that shot was great. Yeah, oh, yeah. There's a really great bit when when Mookie is on one of his pizza runs and he goes back home to meet Tina and he kisses her. And then you literally get shown it again. Yeah, yeah. He kisses her twice. But even the, it's like the same kiss. Yeah. You remember yeah, I that? Do. I thought there was like an editing mistake. I thought that was just kind of bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was just as if spike lee was like yeah you know we wanted to see that again i'm showing it again for you <laughs> yeah, wasn't it cool how i kissed this woman you, wanna see it again? <laughs> you know you want to yeah. see it again <laughs> and there's a great kind of sex scene between mookie and tina um they're not doing it but there's at the end there's a like an extreme like close-up shot of them like and it's all backlit of them kissing and it's just so intimate do you remember that it's like it's really tight on their lips you know, you literally just see the white outline, you know, I thought it was really beautiful. Yeah. So do you have a favorite shot? So, yeah, my favorite shot, I think I just said, would be the end. It pans from Mayer and the old lady from their apartment window to Mookie. That's my favorite shot. I was going to say another shot I quite liked is where Rakim goes in for some pizza with his uh, box on and is uh, wanting some slices from Sal. Right, right, right. That thing I really liked, where it's like super close on Sal. He's like, turn that shit off. Like, you can see he's getting... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then to repeat... <laughs> and it's like, it's tilted up, isn't it? Up, like, basically staring at his nostrils and stuff, just like that. And he's quite pissed. He's like, turn that fucking shit up, because he's like, two slices! It's like, turn that off! That was really tense. I think my favorite shot is definitely the window shot of Mother Sister as the camera goes through. I thought that was great. So score for me, because of budgetary constraints, I don't think there's too much flair. But when Spike does use it, it's great. I think certainly the the, the strongest aspects in this film is the screenplay and the acting for me. So I would probably go with, uh, not by a long way, I think I'll go the same with acting, like an 82 I think. Yeah, I think I'd go maybe the same, like maybe an eight. Okay, let's do the scores then for Do the Right Thing. So Do the Right Thing gets 51.8. So Get Out wins this one with 55 points. To be fair with, you know, these are subjective <laughs> decisions on this. So, you know, they're both winners really, <laughs> but. No, that's, that's loser talk. Yeah, I won. Get Out won, oh, by shit. the way. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. Black cinema is is growing and growing, and there's so much great stuff with so many great directors out there at the moment. So you know, with the likes of uh, Steve McQueen, Barry Jenkins, and female directors as well, like Ava DuVernay, Amara Sante, there's so many great uh, black directors now, and it's just gr- so great to see. So that's the end of this episode. Next week we'll be doing Ralph Fiennes films. Check that one out as well. Mm. It's goodbye to the Encyclopedia Man. Thank you. Dictionary Man. Dictionary? I am no dictionary. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bye-bye. You are a bit of a dick. (laughs) (laughs) What? That's it for this week's pod. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. 
If you'd like to find out more about the podcast or suggest future topics for us to discuss, you can find us on Instagram at Film vs. Film Podcast and on Twitter at FVF underscore podcast. See you on the next one. Pod signing off. Thank you.